Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am the host. Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves, an Irish podcast where I interview activists or parents or business owners, anyone who's doing something good for the planet and the whole idea is we get to know their story and we get to take a leaf from their book or several to add our own way of living so that we can all make a lighter impact on the planet and also help shape the future that we all want to see. So this episode I'm going to be talking to a fellow activist called Katrina Kenny. I met Katrina throughout my time in in Extinction Rebellion and we got chatting recently at the podcast awards and um her daughter runs the hosts the podcast Ecolution which is brilliant it's for children it's like a climate podcast specifically made for kids but I love it as well like the editing is brilliant and everything is explained in terms that I understand as an unprofessional so uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out but uh, yeah me and Katrina got, got chatting and I just I love the way she's so down to earth and she's so honest yeah I absolutely love chatting to her and I have linked everything in the show notes that we talked talk about including her group uh, the group that she's involved with called Connecting Cabra and anything else that we mention resource wise will be linked below. She also sent on a list of book recommendations and you'll find that on the website bookofleadspodcast.com and if anything isn't linked in the show notes you will also find that on the website. Um, Just a little update recently I was at the Cop On festival that uh, was hosted by Happenings Ireland and Concern and Stories of Change and I just can't thank LK and the team enough for inviting me there. I hosted my first ever podcast workshop that I just, I really enjoyed giving. Hopefully if there's anyone here that was also there, um, perhaps you are on your way to making your own podcast. And if anyone is interested in learning the same, you know, how to set up a podcast, just get in touch. I'd be more than happy to help people out. So yeah, that was pretty cool. And of course, there was an amazing Eco Arts Festival this weekend just gone as well at IMA called Earth Rising. So and that was free as well. Both festivals were free. It's really important and good to see these events happening and being accessible. So yeah, more of this. Keep it coming. I love it. Um, And just a little heads up, there is going to be some kind of COP Climate Action March on the 11th of November, um, a Friday. So just stick that in your calendars. Details probably to be confirmed among various environmental groups. But if you are in Dublin, make sure you keep like lunchtime on Friday the 11th free if possible and we are going to hopefully gather lots of numbers to match or to pick it I don't know who knows but just keep an eye on I'll share anything on my socials book of these podcasts and um, Twitter Facebook Instagram and yeah that's it I will let you guys ch- chat let you guys listen to Katrina now and don't forget if you like this episode recommend it to a friend or family that's one of the biggest ways that um people start listening to podcasts is from recommendations so that would be greatly appreciated share it on your socials you can also contribute to the podcast financially if you are able on patreon.com forward slash book of leaves or once off on buymeacoffee.com forward slash you guessed it book of leaves all right here is katrina thank you so much for listening and enjoy this lovely chat having me Cara. Um, my name's Katrina and I live in Cabra with my four children, my two cats, uh, my dog and my lizard. Oh, 
And my husband. He's there too. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly forgotten about him. (laughs) Amazing. And you have been, I came to know you through Extinction Rebellion. You're obviously an uh, very active in like various environmental circles and we'll talk about a couple of things that you're involved in but how did you kind of get active was it a documentary that inspired you or was it just kind of a way of life that you kind of always had or what was the link that kind of spurred you into being the change that you want to see um, I suppose from a young age I would have been brought to protests by my mother or my siblings and maybe art, like anti-war protests, water protests, that that kind of thing. Right, I remember being yeah. out when the the bins were being privatised uh, and there was kind of a, a big community uproar about that. So it's something that I, I would have always been involved with. And in secondary school, I would have uh, gone to a lot of anti-war protests and I was involved in an animal rights group. Um, so I used to dress up as a fox and a sheep and a cow and no uh, that's how I spent my weekends yeah <laughs> wow. and I, yeah I organized walkouts in school and stuff and during the war in Iraq and Afghanistan so and and I suppose from an environmental perspective it's something that has always weighed on my mind and got worse as I had children uh, I suppose seeing the future not just for me but for them mm. made me realize how how bad things were and how if you wanted to make a difference, you had to kind of be out in the streets. Yeah, so you, so, well, that's amazing that people power was something that your family was very much aware of and partook in kind of without question. There's something here, so we show up with our, our bodies on the day. Like, was that yeah, how they I kind mean, of saw it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I remember my brother, well, he uh, apparently super glued the locks of the butchers uh, in Parmistown uh, back in the days. So. No way! <laughs> it's in my blood. That's amazing. Um, and I had no idea you were involved with animal rights that far back as well, because you would you'd get you'd get more backlash for being, you know, oh, there's so many humans who haven't even got rights yet. So like being vegetarian back in the day was so unusual. Like being an animal rights activist, dressing up as a fox in the weekend, people <laughs> were probably, you know, that's quite extreme. Yeah, Get some societal looks. standards. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. But um, I know that one of the groups that you're involved with now is connecting Cabra. Um, obviously that's where you live in Dublin. For anyone outside of Ireland who might be listening, and can you give like let us know maybe how that started or what the kind of work is that they do? Okay, well, I'll just give my own kind of background on it. I was yeah. quite burnt out as an activist and I was feeling totally overwhelmed and I had just was coming to the end of a master's in climate change and it would all just seem like way too much wanted to go hide in a bunker um at that point and got chatting to some of my neighbors and people in the area that were doing work with tidy towns and kind of smaller environmental groups and there was talk of setting up a sustainable energy community so I thought that's something that I can manage that's something local that's something with achievable goals that's not going to overwhelm me so we had our first meeting in April last year and we're a sustainable energy community but that's not the only kind of area that we look at we look at how interconnected it all is we look at biodiversity active transport and uh, fuel poverty and community development okay and 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 <laughs> Among other things, you've got you've got like pretty much everything there, which is amazing. And are these just normal people, like not necessarily professionals in like energy fields or whatever? These are just people in their homes that care about these issues. Yeah, 
that's what that's that's the group i mean everybody brings something different like there's one guy in the group that's really interested in growing your own food and sustainable food there's an animal rights activist in the group there's you know a, a guy with a financial background so it's we're a diverse group probably not as diverse as we could be or should be uh, mm. to be honest but we all bring something to the table and we all care about climate action and I suppose wanting Cabra to be the best that it can be as a place to live and and for people to kind of be young, be old, be what it, where, you know wherever they are in their lives. That's amazing. And what have you got any examples of kind of events or or things that you've done so far? Okay, so like again, as a sustainable energy community, we got given a grant by SEIA for twenty thousand euro, amazing. which is being used to do an energy audit of Cabra. So it's looking at where energy is being lost, where it could be improved. So and and ways that that can be done potentially in a you know on, on different levels of the financial scale because obviously mm. not everybody has access to the finance to retrofit their homes. So what can people do to save energy uh, if they are on a lower income, for example, or if people have access to higher grants and if businesses can put solar panels on the roof and all that sort of stuff. So there's an energy master plan being done at the moment. I think it'll be finished in about a month or two and we'll have the results of that, which will give a really good kind of picture of where Cabra is and who lives in Cabra. You know, it matters when you look at a, a community, whether the, like what the percentage of homeowners are versus rented uh, properties, mm. because can people who are renting retrofit their houses? No. Can a community put pressure on landlords to retrofit houses? Yes. And we should be doing that. So yeah, that's happening at the moment. But we've had different events from, a, you know, to cover other areas such as biodiversity. We had an energy little kind of event last Saturday, which went so well with different stands uh, about different retrofitting kind of interventions you can do like solar panels and all that sort of stuff. But it was it was in our local hall. Loads of people showed up and it was it was brilliant. Oh, amazing. Um, my favourite event that we've had so far is a bat walk. I never realised how much of a bat nerd I am and want to be. Um, we went out to the canal with bat detectors and you can hear, I never knew that the different species made different sounds and that you can hear them on bat detectors. And I was like, oh my God, a small child. I was so So could you hear, hear like different species bat noises coming through? Like you could even discern them like bird calls on the bat thing. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. I like <clears throat> genuinely a bat detector is on my Christmas list because you know, my kids also were excited, but I don't think they were as excited as I was. In an urban, in an urban area like Cabra that, you know, can seem like there's just concrete everywhere, yeah. but that nature is so incredible and resilient and powerful and there's all these bats flying around the place it's yeah it, that I loved that event I loved that event that's amazing so that was after it got dark he went out that's probably around dusky time like they come around just after sunset like they start flying about yes. the place really don't they yeah and they were flying across the canal and actually it was an evening that Gareth Brooks was playing so it was kind of it's eerie like Gareth Brooks in the just... background and all these bats flying around <laughs> bizarre yeah and we had, a, we had a great turnout you know and yeah we also did a, an event last year where we were giving out fruit trees to people in Cabra to, to plant in their gardens. And that was really exciting because you got to meet kind of other people in the area that were interested in sustainable food and growing their own and, and neighbours sharing. You know, we, we talked about potentially in the future having a, a Cabra Cider Festival with all the Oh my apple trees God, imagine. There'd be like the new Oktoberfest, but Cabra and Cider. I can see it happening. Yeah, yeah. That'd be so I, I cool. I totally can see it happening. 
Yeah. That's amazing. That'd be so, so cool. And uh, for the, for, I know obviously some, some things you have to be kind of localized to Cabra, but do you have like social media platforms and that, that people can see what you're doing and possibly someone from like another community can, co- can come along? Like, I think so. I mean, obviously we're a group of volunteers and we're learning yeah. as we go. And certainly like I'm in charge of the Instagram and I have been at times quite lax. The Twitter that we have is quite active. And I mean, the, the intent, we're currently building a website. So there's going to be oh, loads great. more information kind of up about what we're doing and what we're going to be, what we've done and what we'll be doing in the future. And some other community groups have uh, contacted us and asked for advice on growing. And, and while we set up, actually, we, had, we got amazing advice from other organizations because that's great. the thing. Once you start looking, you realize that loads of your neighbors are doing so much cool stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. people doing things everywhere. It's yeah. like, it's magic. Like over in Crumlin, Bloom and Crumlin are amazing. Like the stuff that they're doing. Rings End Sustainable Energy Community gave us loads of advice when we set up. So amazing. the more that you look for it, the more you see it. And that that does give me hope. Um, yeah. And it, it, this has been such a cure to the burnout. Yeah, oh, that's so good to hear because I think it's something a lot of people listening could probably relate to that feeling of, you know, of burnout essentially. And I guess I know there's probably loads of things that you you could say for advice, but I did want to ask it if there was someone listening who like doesn't know where to start, they might not know any of their neighbours. What advice would you have for someone who does want to set up something similar like this? I suppose to look for for groups in the area that like it could be something as simple as your tidy towns or a neighboring tidy towns. And once you it's incredible, the network that exists, because a lot of the time volunteers are are a small bunch and they kind Mm. of know each other. And and that's how this group was set up. It was I'm fairly certain it was through two people with tidy towns kind of backgrounds that got chatting and decided to see if we could form a committee. So, yeah. and, 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 And contact the other groups in, you know, if, if there's not one locally to you, find out more from a group that's active on social media, like Connected Cabra, and, <laughs> and, and look for advice. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because obviously you, like you guys got advice from other groups. So people are more than willing, willing to help other groups when, when they do want to be made. So that's really good to hear. And I'll obviously I'll link all their socials in the show description if anyone wants to go find them. But you mentioned as well that you did a master's in climate change. Why did you start that? I was in a very kind of dark place mm. uh, about the world. And I was trying to figure out a way of navigating through it whilst parenting because, oh, like, I don't even want to go into how scared and full of despair I felt about the world and the state of the planet and and what humans have done to it. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out uh, coping mechanisms. I need to, I also need to know more about this uh, to really understand it and to not maybe get so overwhelmed by statistics because some statistics that you read just, well, they floor me, mm. you know, and I was thinking, okay, I need to know, I need to have a better picture of what's going on. The Masters in DCU seemed like it would give me that, it seemed like it would give me that kind of grounding and, and knowledge base, possibly not to feel better, but to, to understand. But to kind of empower you as well. And yeah, to understand if something is, is scary, is really scary and overwhelming, one of like something that our brains want to do is understand and dissect it and go, okay, because well, if you can understand the problem, you can understand what might fix it as well. Um, and it was quite new, I think, the Masters went when when you started it. Or were you yeah, the first I think, year? I think I was the se- second, second year. I, I was yeah. going to apply the first year, but my son was only, 
I think he was less than one. So he was oh, two when I started, my youngest. Jesus. Um, started pre-COVID, was great going out to, uh, out to campus. It was quite nerve wracking. And, but my classmates were just absolutely incredible, are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I think that that has continued on through the, the subsequent cohort of master's students in DCU because they're just, you learn so much. In my class, there was, you know, people with zoology backgrounds and veterinary backgrounds and musical and artistic backgrounds, financial backgrounds. So we, everyone was bringing something different mm. to the table, a different perspective. And then obviously we had the the wonderful knowledge of the the lecturers, but that sometimes felt like it was almost secondary to what we were learning from each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely life-changing in lots of ways, the course was. Um, Really, really terrifying. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There was, I think in the first semester we did the science part of climate change. Uh, It was the first set of lectures. And then just afterwards, it was the policy side of it. And I'll never forget how sick I would feel after the learning the the scientific realities. Mm. And then you'd go into the policy class and see how far away or how disconnected policy is from the reality of the situation. Yeah. Oh, and you'd just be sitting there going, oh, you know. Yeah. And I, I think it took a few weeks for us all to realize that we we were all feeling that way. Mm-hmm. It always seemed like the room was really warm. Maybe we were tired. Maybe we were, everyone looked shell-shocked. But you were kind of focusing on your own feelings about it. And, mm-hmm. and I remember eventually looking around and realizing, I think everybody in the class was shell-shocked and yeah. terrified and that yeah that was the first that was the first semester so yeah it was uh it was daunting but then we we did other subjects that definitely uh helped with my understanding and gave me far more hope uh, Amazing. Of, of solutions yeah but I think I like it's good to know that to to link in with the fact that sometimes we can be we can be sitting there listening to facts or seeing something horrible and you feel like why is no one else doing something about this or how is this not upsetting anyone and we, we forget that there there is literally like the majority of people if they know the facts and or, and see what's happening they will feel the same way um I was at a climate retreat there the other week and we did one of Joanna Macy's exercises uh where we all sat in a circle and we honored our pain for the world so for a few hours we all took turns going in and expressing our grief or sadness or fear for something and like people were saying like there was tear like within three minutes everyone was snotty and sobbing afterwards like there were some people who were like I thought I was the only one feeling this way and it's actually even though the room was so heavy and emotional, it was so hopeful to know that you're not the only one that's reacting like that. Because obviously when we know the facts and we feel the actual gravity of the situation, we will respond to it ourselves as it should be responded to with the power that we have. So obviously that's where then, you know, getting into policy and getting into politics and me as someone who will never do that might, way to inject into that uh, direction is with like protest because there's no other I don't know what other other way to do it but that's really good I'm so glad that you found like you know a good group of classmates maybe they did have it but it would be good if they had some kind of exercise to calm the nervous system down or something you know did they have any kind of mental health kind of talks or supports through it I can only speak for when I was there and, yeah. and people did ask for, people did ask for it, you know, yeah. definitely there needed to be a space for, for empathy circles or for some kind of balance. 
and mm. um, and space to to debrief for sure. I mean, some people did go over to the pub across the road afterwards and chatted and all that. But I found when the when the course went online, it was even more difficult because you'd sit yeah. and be learning these things, and then you'd be alone in your room. At least when we were in person, there was chat. You know, there was opportunities yeah. for 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 conversation with your classmates and solidarity and all that. But online, that felt far more difficult. Like I did the course, most of it yeah. during COVID. So uh, yeah, it was certainly impacted. But I can only imagine, yeah, what it was like to be sitting there at home, feeling that way in the middle of like a pandemic as well. <laughs> oh God. So I can only imagine how nerve wracking that was. But I, but Jesus, Katrina, like fair pay to you for doing a master's on climate change, which is quite a scary subject while raising four children. Like <laughs> obviously with your husband as well. We can't forget about the husband, but still <laughs> like it's a lot of work. So fair play to you. But um, have you found in, because we were chatting at the um, Irish Podcast Awards, because your, your daughter Evie hosts Ecolution, which I've talked about in the podcast before, which is a lovely, brilliant podcast. And we were there chatting. We were both kind of talking about um, how sometimes the movement can be a bit tone deaf, to say the least, towards people who might not have money. Like you mentioned already, people with lower incomes can't really retrofit their homes. And especially if there's not, there's no kind of price limit they can just charge as much as they want or if people are getting grants there's a tendency then to just put that grant or the help to buy scheme whatever it is just to increase the price of the house and you wonder how when will it ever end but have you kind of experienced in the various circles of people kind of not getting how their solution is not suited to people of working class backgrounds or other areas yeah absolutely absolutely and this happens like not just from a climate change or climate action perspective. It happens mm. all across the board. Often poly- policymakers or governments are completely disconnected from the reality of working class people's day-to-day lives and the reality of people with disabilities, the reality of people with uh, long-term illnesses, all that sort of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and policy should be made so that it's as fair as possible to as broad a spectrum of people as possible. And that doesn't seem to be the case here. The fact that there's a 27 or 29 month waiting list for the warmer homes grants. So that's if you are on fuel allowance, you can have certain retrofitting measures done for free. But it's prohibitive because waiting that long is not always an option for some people. Mm-hmm. Like last year or yeah, it was this year I worked as a census enumerator in Cabra and I met a lot of people who were living in one room of their house because they couldn't afford to heat their whole home. Mm. And that's 2022 in Cabra. And yet there's people kind of two doors up getting their whole house done and have their electric car out the front and drinking out of their expensive 25 euro water bottle. And it's not to say that people who use disposable bottles, for example, are bad people. There's mm-hmm. there's often othering going on within the movement that people who who purchase fast fashion or uh, buy the plastic water bottles or use convenience food that that they're they're the bad guys you know against the environment and it's just not as simple as that it's not as simple as that there's so many people living with circumstances that they're time poor they're financially poor um they've caring duties and the last thing on their mind is whether you know, I, you know, I can wait a couple of weeks and invest in a, a reusable cup or 
I need a bloody drink right now and I'm going to buy this bottle for a euro that, you know, that is affordable to them. And certainly when I was a single parent, when my daughter was born, I didn't have money to invest in sustainable products. It mm-hmm. just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And there can be a lot. I, I mean, I think things are changing, but there can be a lot of shame around asking for help or asking to share things or asking to borrow things. And the more that people do it, I think that it will change the stigma around it. So I've just started asking people when I need things instead of buying them new. So like when my son ran out of trousers for the next size up, I just texted a few mams in the in the school and said, Tom needs age three to four trousers. Anybody got any? And I then didn't have to buy new trousers and I saved money and it has the added benefit of being better for the environment. So yeah, I, I do think that there's a lot of tone deafness and that people need to go and actually visit communities and talk to people who are experiencing marginalization and poverty mm. and and see what they need to be part of the the kind of climate dialogue. Um, yeah. Because even there was a there was a report released last year called Environmental Justice in Ireland and that just highlighted the the disconnect between the policy and the the real lived experiences of of people who are poor or marginalized. Uh it even oh, there was one statistic I had to write it down because it's it stuck with me uh around access to green space. And like Cabra, we do have the Phoenix Park nearby, but we don't have lots of green space in our area at all. Like I live in a an ex-council house uh, in Cabra East and there's no kind of green space where my kids can play nearby. But in Dublin 4, there are more trees than residents. Uh, but in the north inner city, there are more than 10 residents per tree. Wow. So look at statistics like that. And, and there's loads around air quality and water quality. Poorer and marginalised people are being disproportionately affected by negative environmental outcomes. And yet they're being penalised through kind of punitive measures like regressive carbon taxes that aren't distributed fairly. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who have, the polluters should pay, the people who have money should pay. And and that should trickle down and 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 lead to kind of a fairer set of circumstances, but that's not what's happening. Yeah, there are like I, really... I no, oh <laughs> no, it's so important to hear this though because I'll never forget how we had to rely on um, fast fashion growing up because we wouldn't be able to afford like any anywhere else and charity shops like you said they, that was shameful to go in and like when my sister found out that I go to like the breakfast club in my school, like she was like no don't tell people that I was like what like we just go and get free breakfast she was like no if you're getting breakfast in school it means you're poor and I was like why is it so shameful like I'll happily go everyone I'm broke (laughs) you know it's yeah it runs it runs deep that's a very interesting that's a very interesting one because growing up we had very little money and I got slagged for having medical card glasses I got slagged for our clothes coming from Fred's fashions in uh Ballyfermot, which was the charity shop. And I remember a girl in my class saying to me, does your mom not love you enough to buy your brand name clothes? She also, this same girl, not going to name any names, she also <laughs> noticed uh, that my mother dyed my communion shoes because I had big feet. So we, we couldn't, she couldn't get hand-me-down communion shoes for me because of my uh, big L feet. So she <laughs> bought a pair of shoes, mm. which then she, she dyed black because... To buy shoes and only use them once would have been, yeah, yeah, nonsense, yeah. But this this particular girl 
uh, noticed and told everybody Katrina's school shoes are dyed communion shoes. Um, so yes, like changing that stigma around it, and it still mm. does exist, you know. Oh, big time! And again, even charity shop shopping has become really middle class. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gone to be because like now gentrified. Yeah, it's safe to say. Like yeah. You're in a safe position to say, oh, I bought this in a charity shop because mm. you're not actually forced forced to have to buy it in a charity shop. So it's, yeah, it's. I think it's a very complicated issue, but definitely the people affected need to be consulted in mm. for, for, you know, for policies. Definitely. And I just, I think would... I just want to reiterate it like so many activists out there and if they do have financial privilege or time privilege that they like not like you know it can be really hard to hear people's solutions sometimes and you're like it's not like that for everyone my sister cares so much about the environment but she might have like 50 euro spare cash for her whole week like after her bills and paid and she's got two kids and all so it's just it's not financially viable for her to not buy certain things new or whatever and but that's like a a complete like systemic issue like there are so many problems rooting from inequality but it's all kind of oppression thinking anyone is better off than anyone else including we're better off than the environment we can just take what we want we can take what we want from all of these places but someone is paying the cost somewhere and then we have the audacity to shame someone for dying their communion shoes it's wild so yeah, I, I think it's just really important to talk about that in the in the movement because we are perceived as middle class. And then I'm like, I swear, guys, I'm poor. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm not middle class, <laughs> but I have like a posh Dublin accent. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. But yeah, like you say, we need to kind of not go into these communities and give them like slides and why the environment is bad, but actually talk to them about like, what are your struggles and what do you need? And all your green spaces are being taken away from you, you know, which also... Yeah, and highlight things you know, like... Like for me, air quality is a huge issue. Yeah. We have an air quality monitor in our in our back garden, and as soon as all the fires get lit in the area, you can you can see the air quality dropping. Wow. But again, people who are burning fossil fuels in their fires are not bad people. They often can't afford to turn their heating on. They they often can't afford to uh, retrofit their houses and make mm-hmm. them warmer. So they're burning. The, the cheapest thing that they can you mm-hmm. know so it's about kind of pointing out the benefits of of climate action but and making it accessible you know even from a I was chatting to my neighbors about turning some of the roads around my estate into a one-way system uh try and reducing the traffic trying to reduce the pollution from the cars but also making it safe for children to play mm-hmm. and once you kind of frame it in a way that it's like, oh, this is going to be a nicer place to live where, you know, elderly people have benches to sit down and chat to each other and kids can play out on the road and it's safe and you can breathe clean air. and all. Like none of that stuff is negative. It's all positive stuff. Yeah. And there's so much positives to climate action. And and it's funny, the media and, and certain interest groups can can often... I suppose, frame it in a way that makes it seem like we're all going to be living in, you know, dark, uh, cold rooms with our cars taken away from us and no holidays and no, no, you know, and that's not the case. Like resilient kind of lively communities that have social inclusion at the heart of them. They're the ones that are going to be the most effective 
mm-hmm. against climate change. And they're all, it's all nice things. Yeah, it's not, framing it in sacrifice is not um, the way to look at it because it's not really sacrifice. There's so much to gain, like... Uh, yeah it's big time so that's amazing hopefully you get that one-way system that'd be amazing is there anything else um I'd like to perhaps uh, ask you ask you for some like um tips but before we go on is there anything else that you want to say in regards to what we were just talking about there uh no well I suppose on on poorer and marginalized communities Mm -hmm. when you look at wherever you live doesn't matter where you live in Ireland you're gonna have a mixture of of people living right beside you and you might not even realize it so the idea that we often go into tribes is really a negative thing in lots of ways when when you look at the the way that we tribalize you know so we've homeowners versus renters and Mm. middle class versus working class or you know car owners versus cyclists for those kind of barriers that we, we we've been putting up for years and that a lot of the times the powers that be want us to put up you know, mm-hmm. capitalism has has driven us all to individualize and identify with certain groups so that, uh, you know, we can be comfortable and make money or, you know, I think that like looking around and seeing your neighbors for people that are flawed like you and figuring out ways that you can connect and and share and share information and share things and see who needs help on your road. Like the more that we all ask for help, the the more natural that will become. And I think that neighbours will start sharing their tools and sharing cars, perhaps, and getting rid of, you know, the two car household, that there's a, a shared car in the area or a shared cargo bike. And when people help each other, when you're more time rich. Years ago, when my mom moved to Ballyfermot, like the neighbours used to help each other with the kids. There was sharing of food you do the big dinner, I'll swap over, I'll do the big dinner tomorrow. I try and do that with my, I have sisters living in Cabra and I was trying to kind of do a big curry and then share it with them. But apparently my dal isn't up to the, up to scratch. Um, Rude. <laughs> you know, that kind of idea that we rely on each other and, and yet we're told that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't trust each other and that we shouldn't work together. And that like, there's often, it seems like, the government or the state don't want us to collaborate mm-hmm. and work together because once people start collaborating and working together it's quite powerful we are very powerful um, but it's taking that step i suppose people who can should and mm-hmm. be brave and uh, but but also not forget the people who can't would be my i suppose two cents on that yeah that's perfect yeah that's a really good that's a really good leaf to give people so thank you um and then I guess before we start uh finishing off with some of my favorite questions um have you got any kind of general tips then for for people when it comes to being more environmentally friendly and possibly saving money at the same time because the times we're coming into are going to be very tight on everyone's pockets well one of my piece of advice is something that you said at the podcast awards don't mow your lawn so if you mm-hmm. have a lawn let let your garden go wild because on my my favorite topic my favorite new topic of bats one of the only gardens in cabra that we had a bat monitor in that the bats were feeding in was a really kind of wild garden so letting it grow means that you'll have uh nature visibly wow. but yeah like i suppose if you have access to some space to grow your own food that can be a really soothing activity but also can save you some money asking for help so so 
that's been a big one for me. I haven't had to buy clothes, shoes, football boots, pretty much for any of my kids ever. Uh, there's exceptions to that, like when my now teenage daughter has wanted very specific things, but I haven't had to buy any clothes because I ask for help. And yeah, things like insulating your house, that's something that you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to do professionally. You know, we put up kind of warm boards on the front and the back of our house. We're mid-terrace. So our house is actually quite warm without any heavy retrofitting measures. Uh, We put up like just a like thick bit of insulation on the front and the back. And it's incredible how much heat that has saved. Oh, wow. uh, those are just something you can buy independently and you stick yeah. them up either I mean, in, like, I mean, outside. We have it on the inside, but it's not something inside. that everybody could physically do, but you could. Yeah. it's something that you can do quite cheaply and it does bring down your energy bills. It means that your yeah. house is warmer. And I mean, I do give the kids hot water bottles and stuff. We haven't turned on the heat yet. It hasn't been that cold, but we do get a lot of heat from the houses beside us, mm. uh, in fairness. Um, Amazing. Yeah, hot and water yeah, bottles are that, brilliant. Yeah. Oh no, they are. And mm. like my mom used to, light the fire in the morning and warm our socks and stuff before we oh, go to school mm-hmm. you know, I haven't I haven't quite gotten to there yet because actually if if you lit the fire in our house it would be too warm because it's small and because yeah. so many of us live in it <laughs> the cats and the lizard as well we can't forget yes yeah yeah no it's a full it's a full house and yeah if you can again use an active transport and use a public transport like you can use the bus and the train as an opportunity to listen to a podcast or you know reframing the idea of a journey and making it something different mm. like I take my walks as a chance to kind of clear my head I cycle with the kids to school every day and I take that as a chance to have chats with them and it's amazing the stuff that we end up talking about on the way to school but I suppose mm. it's, tr- it's trying to see the positives like we spoke about earlier mm. the positives of climate action can often be money-saving ones as well and like like this whole asking for help thing uh, you get to know your neighbours more. Like there's absolutely no reason for multiple people to own a ladder. Yeah. And mm. like I needed black food colouring recently and I was like, I'm not going to go and buy a whole thing of black food colouring because... They're expensive as well. You're paying like a fiver for a little thing. Yeah. I just knocked in next door and I was like, have you got any food colouring? And they did. So... Because yeah. <laughs> well, that was so normal in my sake growing up as well. Like the neighbours, Bridget would knock in or her... Like I'd be sent over with a jug and be like, hi, can we have some sugar or can we have some milk? Like that's just completely gone now. Now, obviously, I actually think it's still in my mom's estate, maybe a little bit because she still knows everyone. And now I live in like a big, huge, you know, unclosed residential area. So I don't really know my neighbours. But yeah, that part of just sharing and borrowing is so lovely. So lovely. I set up a little seed, like a seed swap group. Again, it was online, so it's not that accessible. But it was I didn't realise one of my neighbours had joined it. And one of the days she turned up with a load of courgettes at my door because uh, she had a glut. And then I was able to go out the back and give her some kale that we had grown. And, we, you know, it was only something small, but it was a really nice feeling to to share food with my neighbours. Oh, a million percent. Yeah. Amazing. So have you got any other tips? Yeah, I mean, the, my main tip is to, like, fight against capitalism and, <laughs> uh, you know... Um, <laughs> You know, question the system that we live yeah. under and and question why we live in such an unequal society because like climate action is fairly worthless with it with like when we stick with the status quo of a massively unequal society. Here, um, here. So, you know, yeah, that's 
I mean, I, I could come up with more radical tips, but I'll... <laughs> I mean, to question capitalism, question the system, and that's it's free to do. You can question for free. Um, on your walks, you know, absolutely quite like think this and this doesn't have to be the way it is. Like it doesn't have to be this way. And we there people power is absolutely a thing. Which leads me on. I'm gonna ask some random questions. Um, but before I go into that one, I want to ask you, because I know you're an activist, what your favorite protest memory is, if you have one that stands out. Can I give you more than one? Yeah, please. Always Okay. <laughs> so the March for Choice in 2017 um, mm. I had just given birth to my youngest child my fourth who was a big surprise Tom the surprise at the end of my family and we were marching through I think we were around near Delir Street and all my kids were walking and my baby was in the sling and I mm. was the first time within the kind of choice movement that I felt like things were going to change I mean mm. I still wasn't 100% sure that the referendum, like when the referendum was going to happen and, and, and whether it would be won or not. But I felt that change was in the air and I felt all tingly and kind of looking at my daughters in particular and thinking, oh, I, I got chills that day. Another one was the, in 2003, I think it was, it might have been 2002, there was a big protest, an anti-war protest at the Dáil and we formed a human ring where we all linked together around the Dáil and it was it was dark and it was really a very powerful protest, a mixture of young and old people. And I think the riot guards came, they they didn't have their numbers on and started picking everybody up. And it was, but everybody held on strong and stayed linking. Now, I I do think eventually it was, it was broken up. I got put in the back of a van, but uh, it, before it all kicked off, it was this incredibly powerful feeling of everybody physically holding each other. Yeah. And then to acknowledge Extinction Rebellion, I think in 2019, when we took over Marion Square, the morning at the beginning of Rebellion Week, I stood with barriers on Marion Square uh, at like five o'clock in the morning. I think there was only a handful of us there. And I remember thinking, this is really exciting. And a guy I went to school with was walking by. He's an electrician. He was walking to work and he saw me at the barrier. I hadn't seen him in 16 years. Mm -hmm. And he he just rolled his eyes and went, you're still at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. that's really cool. Yeah, you can have such powerful moments. I admit, like that was such a good week. But she's the work that went into that was phenomenal. Um, Rebellion Week. But yeah, there's so many just amazing moments that happen on protests and when people that feeling a solidarity and strength is just there is nothing like it than when you're actively in the face of like pow- power, like the doll saying we we want change um yeah it's just that's that's amazing um so I would like to ask some random questions we have a little bit of time um you just pick a letter of the alphabet and there will be a random question and the answer does not need to relate to the alphabet I should probably change these numbers to avoid that confusion if you want to give Uh, n n what's your favorite vegetable oh we only discussed this in the house the other day oh my Um, god it's two it's broccoli and cauliflower. Um, oh, okay. The cousins. Two of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They look alike and absolutely delicious. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Keep it simple. Um. Right. Go for another letter. F. F. Oh, what's the best plant-based meal you've ever had? 
Okay, uh, Derek, my lovely husband, who I often forget, he is... Hi, Derek. When I first became vegan, we also were part of a community-supported agriculture scheme. So we used to get these veg boxes every week. And you kind of start to get sick of the same veg every week. So you had to be really inventive. Mm. So he totally surprised me and became an amazing cook. Um, He was a great baker. But he was an amazing, he is an amazing cook as well. So he does this kind of chili tofu thing with, uh, it's a crispy tofu with a chili sauce, with cashew nuts and uh, kale and red mm-hmm. onion, pickled red onion. It's bloody delicious. I used to go to a drumming class on a Tuesday. And no way. I'd come back, <laughs> I'd come back late at night and be hungry. And he used to make this aubergine dish with kind of nuts and a tahini dressing and it's uh, that wow. reminds me that I should get him to make it again soon but yeah pretty much oh, anything that he cooks yeah. that's so lovely is he vegan as well or does he cook vegan because no, you're he, vegan he is vegetarian and but, but main like mostly it's not he still eats eggs but he'll, he'll he eats what I eat and cooks and cooks for us brilliant and doesn't, and doesn't complain and he was a big meat eater when I met him you know um mm-hmm. And has does he doesn't miss it at all. He doesn't miss it at all. Which there you go. I mean I'm speaking for him, but he says he doesn't miss it at all. <laughs> and then he's going to Pip Bros when you're at your drumming class. <laughs> um on the sly. That is amazing. I want to then ask this is a new question that I want to make sure that I ask people because on in the frame of like positive climate action we have a lot of trouble actually imagining the world that we want to see because all of the films and the books are quite dystopian so when you imagine the future as you want it to be what is one of your favorite things about it we've mentioned like loads already but um something that you love about the future that's gonna happen i suppose an absence of trauma would be Mm. i know that's quite broad but I see our planet just being traumatized all the time. Like the trees, the water, the plants, the animals and people. And Mm. I would love to see a world that, I mean, I I don't think we can rule out all kinds of trauma, but where trauma isn't as on the surface as it is now, where community is, a true community exists, where we, where we work together and, uh, rely on each other again in a, in a in a meaningful way uh because that's 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 the way nature because we're part of nature and that's the way nature mm-hmm. works everything is interconnected and and so are we so a future where that is celebrated interconnectedness is celebrated that's a future i would like to see amazing well, that's, that's absolutely perfect no it's not <laughs> it's perfect because imagine like a future because one thing I get upset about is you know everyone has their family stuff going on everyone has their own maybe career or aspirations or inse- like insecurities or I don't need the trauma of you know climate change or uh, racism or any of these systemic oppressions they wouldn't exist so I'm just able to deal I have the space and the time to deal with the things that come up in everyone's normal life you know so that's lovely and to be connected with our community so hopefully some people listening to this might take a leaf out of your book and 
and we are back I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed chatting to Katrina and then going back listening to it I was like god that's a really good point and that's a really good point so yeah um, don't forget to follow Connecting Cabra and you can follow Katrina as well on Twitter and that I'll link all of the socials and everything below and don't forget to share this podcast and fair play to Derek for his cooking I am Marvin now <laughs> listening back to all his amazing vegan dishes so I love it and don't forget keep the 11th of November free and yeah thank you so much for listening don't forget to share this podcast give it a few stars on Spotify rate it on Apple Podcasts if you can and I will be back in two weeks time with another guest bye